Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. I mean, without the long S at the end, I don't know why, but that really annoyed me today. Did you it? introducing it like that? Um, so I... aggressive. I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks. Nice start from you as always. Um, one of the things every week when I cut the podcast, the first thing I have to do after I've put the jingle on the top of it is I have to cut out the pregnant pause between me saying hello tryhards and you starting to talk because it's normally like two seconds. It's like such a long pause. And then I saw a TikTok last week that was about millennials and how if you watch a TikTok created by a millennial, there's always a pause at the top of it because we are unconsciously waiting for it to start recording. Whereas Gen Z just go straight in. They just got the confidence to just start talking straight off the cuff. Fair. <laughs> and also, I mean, to be fair, we... Um... There would always be in a little bit of a delay or you'd have to get the timing exactly right when you were recording off the radio on a Sunday if your favourite song and it would be inc- from the top 40 yeah. and incredibly annoying actually when they would all when the DJs would talk over the top or the end of the song because then your mates would know that you've recorded it from the radio. <laughs> One thing I'm going to say to you though is we are going to lose audience with a reference like that because I saw a tweet the other day that said that Gen Z don't know how to burn CDs. So us talking about recording things off of the top 40 on a Sunday evening is going to fall on extremely deaf ears because they don't know about burning CDs. Um, okay, we'll talk about retro, actually. Ellie Kildun, uh, England superstar Red Rose, um, has been doing camcorder diaries and they are tremendous. And they bring back, they've got this like weird, really nostalgic um, vibe because when we lived in New Zealand growing up, we would send, mum had this massive camcorder. Hers is a lot smaller than um, the one we had, but we would send back home videos to my dad. He was in the UK 
and then they, I need to resurface them. My dad has um, got them out and ready to give to me to put onto a DVD maybe. Um, but it just has got this like weird angle vibe. It's brilliant. And I honestly recommend anyone tuning in to have a little look at the stuff that, Ellie, that Ellie's doing because she's super creative and it comes out in what she's doing. I will say um, with it though, and first one... it's try hard behavior. I actually take <laughs> a pair of socks to New Zealand for Ellie because it's try hard behavior because she's bought like a JVC handy cam, uh, you know, a lot of I'll say most most middle class families had one of those in the kind of late 90s, early noughties. I know we certainly did. If you want that camcorder filmic vibe, you can A, download an app and film it on your phone. It'll look exactly the same. Or B, just do it in post. You get a little filter that goes off over your video. As somebody who like actively makes videos and creates content, to me, it is the most reductive thing in the world. The whole point of technology moving on is things are easier. It is infinitely easier to film something on your phone than onto a little tape on a camcorder. I cannot. Oh. It's just too trendy-wendy for me. It is too trendy. It's, but it's not the same, mate. It's not the same. Why I don't like technology is it tries to be... Well, it does what we could have done that was really difficult. I love it. What I don't love you don't is like some of the other content. You've got no idea how anything works, Danielle. <laughs> probably why my brain still works in the 90s from when there were camcorders <laughs> yeah. I um I remember oh yeah so just quickly as I said not really loving the content coming from everybody at the moment um who's, girls who's players top, who's top tier content and who is missing the mark for you so far well I like Ellie I like Ellie's stuff that's good in like creative different um Who's been rubbit? I mean, just in general, I'd say that the standard is reasonably low. <laughs> um, I always think I don't want to see you go into another coffee. Rona Lloyd and Sarah Bonner always bring like good content vibes for me. Um, my favourite content I've seen so far, because obviously we now have a number of teams on the ground in New Zealand, which is great. Um, did you see the Wales squad arriving and the welcome that they had from? So Cecilia Tuopolotu, her family are obviously Tongan heritage. Her dad came over to play in Wales in the 90s um, and she's part of a big Tongan community in South Wales. But her aunties and uncles, her parents, siblings, the majority of them actually live in Auckland, New Zealand. So the Wales girls had this huge reception when they landed in Auckland Airport and the Tuopolotu family were there. They had gifts for all of them. All of the girls were given necklaces around their neck, which had all different goodies and treats in. And, you know, Cecilia was crying her eyes out when she walked through into arrivals to see family who, you know, because of the pandemic, because of the distance, she hasn't seen since she was a kid, really. And it was so special. And that's been one of my favourite she's, things. She's still a kid. She's I know only she's about... still a kid. She's 14 years old. Yeah. 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 She, is, um... she is hashtag baby rhino vibes. Yeah. Um, oh, talking about baby Ryan. I didn't know that's why. And also the little treats are like Kit Kats and stuff. Love that. Yeah, love um, that. The thing I was going to say, I've seen recently, I reposted it last night. Harriet Miller Mills, um, absolute legend, friend of the pod, um, is over in uh, America. So her partner, Adam, um, is studying in Harvard, is also teaching in Harvard, like absolute super brain, helped with the dislocation situation yeah. <laughs> at the wedding. Oh, I've um, got another Adam fact you might not be aware of. Do you know who Adam's great uncle is? No. 
Captain Tom Moore. No. Yes. Genuine. No way. Yep. Genuine. Well, was we put it in past tense? Oh, he's still his uncle, just because he's dead, Molly. Wow, dark from oh. you. <laughs> wow. Oh, he's old. Wow, um, that yeah. stopped me in my track. I know. Stop me in my track. Um, also continue, I know what the story you're going to tell is. I'm loving this. I This is my um, favorite content I've seen on social media this week. So, absolute legend, Red Roses player, goes over, wants to do loads of different sports, so she's trying it. But she also is very fortunate to have a ready-made friend who lives there, Joe Dombrowski, who was at Wasps for a few years. Also, I Played named Baby Ryan. Bar City game. Yeah, played in the first ever indoor rugby match with us when we played in the O2. That was weird. Um, also smashed me in my in a contact session in pre-season. Very unnecessary. But <laughs> they have been playing tag uh, American football. It's called flag football, Nolly. That's the one. Um, I am waiting. I am waiting. They're called the Daddies. That's who they play for, which just is ridiculous. And... I'm waiting for video footage of Harriet. She is unbelievable athlete. She is the person that ran next to me for the try that has been viewed a million squillion times, um, who she's jogging next to me. I cannot wait for her to actually start to learn the rules. She said every week she learned something new. Because <laughs> I, I think, think she's going to end up it. with like rookie of the year <laughs> or something crazy. I'm buzzing for her because the other thing as well with American football, depending on what position you play, you don't get touched by the players, which actually, you know, has is an athlete. But let's be honest, has had some unlucky injuries and has got some pretty unstable knees. So this could be the future for Hasmila Mills. Although saying that, the reason I saw the video and enjoyed it on my socials was because Joe Dombowski smashed some woman and she basically, her thing was... If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. I'm here to block you or something. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Anyway. Um, Where are you prodding from this thing? week, my friend? Oh, yes. Um, so last week I moved house for everyone. That that got quite a little bit, of, quite a lot of traction on my social media. Oh, moving again. Moving um, again. Finally moved out of my house and flat in Gloucester with the unbelievable help from Charlotte Keane and Millie Wood. Um, all three of us were quite sweaty and tired by the end of it. Um, Millie was basically, it'd come from CrossFit where she'd done 5 million press up to burpees chins or something. Still a great shape. Charlotte and I, not so much our shape when we played rugby anymore. <laughs> so Millie I was just, basically- um... I have to, I, I don't want us to have to like bring up a wedding anecdote every week of the podcast this series, but I feel like it's going to happen. I love the fact that you felt the need to say to Charlotte last week on moving day, you know, was everything okay at the wedding? Cause you got real quiet and just went and sat in a corner because you had no idea about the fact that she had split her dress up to the small of her back. Like I saw more of Charlotte's backside that night than I've seen of my own in my life. Superb. <laughs> still making me laugh um yeah no they were they were absolute legends and for all of those people that were interested um there was actually quite a few <laughs> all I've done is sold one property and I'm buying one closer to my family down in Somerset um so that I've got a base in England because everyone knows that I love to travel um so yeah that's what's happened mum and rich help happen 
like helped the other end um which is actually really cool because mum with everything that's been going on was bright as a button moving furniture um loving life had a little nap afterwards but um yeah that was quite cool um why was I telling you that can't remember oh now now I traveled I traveled home from to Rome for a couple of days then got on a Ryanair flight unbelievably uncomfortable actually um came to Bordeaux came down came down to Cape Ferré um which my brother has said looks like a phallus coming off of France um and um we are at the tip uh, of that area this in France. To surprise, to surprise Joe, uh, my middle brother, for his 40th birthday, which has been wonderful. Um, so, yeah, having a little family holiday. A surprise, I think Very surprised, although when we jumped out of the cupboard, mum jumped more than he did, even though she knew where we were. <laughs> um, yeah, hanging out with my little niece has been cool. Um, so, yeah good times um i don't know if you put any pictures on social media but the pictures you sent me yesterday do we need to have a some sort of like interfrenchian about the um dungarees you're rocking around in you literally look like meryl streep in mamma mia <laughs> never seen it so i wouldn't know what you're talking about <laughs> well if you watch it it's going to be like looking in a mirror no, it's brilliant fun. A wonderful place, actually. And it's amazing because it doesn't feel like France. Not that, that I mean, obviously, France is a nice place. I don't want to criticise them. But when we were driving here, um, I made a bit of a mistake. I uh, I booked the hire car um, okay. and I booked a Fiat 500 just for jokes um, and didn't realise I booked a Fiat E, which only had 100 kilometres in before you had to recharge. And, I, yeah, so we wouldn't have made it. Anyway, um <laughs> we it, it's got this like new zealand australia vibes pine trees lots of like it's right. yeah single story buildings yeah it's a really cool place and we were like oh yeah this is like the, the airbnb we're staying in is really lovely and um real cool that owned by a really cool french couple and um so we thought oh wonder how much it is to um to get a holiday home here you know we all love it here it's great we've only been here a couple of days and we looked and there's a seafront house for 6.8 million so we thought okay. maybe not quite yet yeah, we'll but you have sold the flat in gloucester <laughs> so who knows yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe um uh, should we talk about some rugby why not why Ruggers? not um, um so obviously we, last we recorded the pod before we recorded the pod on Monday morning, obviously out of respect for the Queen's funeral we didn't release, and then the announcement had happened, and then we released the pod. So should we talk about England selection? I'm really sorry, but I know you meant that to sound serious, but out of respect for the Queen's funeral. <laughs> it's another evening. Are you all right? Um, oh, have you seen? There was a, um, a really cool uh, extract from the good the bad and the rugby um with the guys chatting and Mike Tindall um they talk about Alex asked him oh you know you've had like an insight being married to the Queen's granddaughter and actually first time realized that she's that Zara is the Queen's granddaughter when you see it all you're like oh wow like I don't know anyway um and he talked about actually how he has real regret because when he had the, if you had the, I can't remember his words, something like, 
the real lucky opportunity to get the seat next to her at the event. And he said he regrets not asking the questions because of everything she saw and all of her experiences of how do you do your duty when you're meeting all of these dictators yeah. and you have to be neutral and like, I, he, it was just a really you know interesting. What? That's a really interesting, I, I saw the thing you mean. I, it's really interesting because I actually think that there's a relatability regardless of whether your nan is the queen or or whether, you know, she's like my nan who was a, a working class mother of six it's an, an unfortunate thing that you only get after the fact that you think I wish I'd asked more. And it's something, my grandparents were very old when I was born. My parents are both the youngest of six children. My mum was very much an afterthought. And my grandparents, unfortunately, my grandfather died. And I was very Slightly ha- afterthought. No, it's true. I mean, there's 17 years between my mum and her eldest sibling. That's good going. Yeah, fair play. Like absolute <laughs> shaggers, Martin George. Um, but they used on a Sunday afternoon, they used to go and have a lie down together. <laughs> oh wow. I know. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, but my grandparents were well, my grandfather was a prisoner of war. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to speak to him about it, but my nan died when I was about 19. And she had lived in central London through the Blitz. And it's my greatest regret in life is that I didn't ask her more. I didn't find out more about her life. I didn't find out more about those things that that we'll never see, that we'll never live through. And it's one of those things where I kind of implore people, you know, few people our age have their grandparents now. But, you know, time is not finite and we don't have loads of it. And actually you know, ask your grandparents, ask your parents, ask your auntie and uncles about things. Just literally this week, Sophie, my sister went up to Caffilly because she was going to see the family solicitor because she's buying a flat. And my dad drove her to Caffilly. She's not buying my flat. (laughs) She's not buying your flat in Gloucester. Um, She's buying that house down in Bordeaux. Um, But she, (laughs) my dad was driving around Caffilly and he was like saying to her, oh, you know, that's where I was born in the miners' hospital. Yeah, she knew that. He was like, oh, that's where I got hit by a car when I was nine years old. My sister was like, what? You got hit by a car? Yeah, I got hit by a car, but I was so scared of what your grandfather would say. I just got up and ran off. Like, that's mad. I know. I got, you know, uh, so in New Zealand, um, my mum dropped us. Well, by the way, we will get to rugby at some point. Um, <laughs> this is way more interesting um, to us. The, in New Zealand, we would play on a massive, like on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday, whenever it was, massive big field for rugby. And minis play bare feet. Um, so like I, I don't think I got to the age where I got boots in New Zealand. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, anyway. Um, and I remember being late. I mean, it was quite rare that that happened. So I was a bit in a rush. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> mum dropped me off a hill so you drove down this hill to the car park into the thing field and mum dropped me off at the top and there was a madness in the car park so I sprinted down the hill and got and there was a car which I just didn't see it didn't look at all I was just aiming to get to my team you know um Palmerston North High School old boys under sevens was a pretty important game for me yeah, yeah. influential and, uh, influential size I do you know what I really enjoyed is the chapter in Scrum Queens about Palmerston North Old Boys under sevens. I haven't, I haven't read it, but it'll be strong. Um, I um, I ran down the hill and the car came along and it didn't run me over, but it ran over my foot and I smashed onto the bonnet. And I remember being like <laughs> looking at. <laughs> 
I genuinely, I, I slammed, I obviously slammed onto the bonnet and this woman, luckily she didn't stop the car. I, otherwise the car would have been on my foot. And, um, and the woman like got out and started screaming at me and all I could do was just run off to go to the game and obviously I was limping a bit and my mum was like are you all right and I was like I can't I ran over my foot and she like no one believed me and I was like I it definitely <laughs> happened <laughs> but this woman was so angry I just sprinted off because obviously I probably I mean I was quite chunky I probably dented the bonnet and I just probably. started slamming on it hashtag um, baby rhino she was so yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, all good. Right, then, let's actually talk about some rugby. England's squad was announced on Tuesday after we'd recorded the pod, and there are some notable omissions. But I want to know from you, Danielle Waterman, uh, who has been to 700 World Cups, what you make of the squad, what you make of the talent taken, the talent left behind, the balance of experience, and what it tells us about the way that Simon Middleton wants to approach this World Cup. Um, there's lots of questions there. I'll try and answer one at a time. Um, I I personally, you know, they've got 19 players that have never been to a World Cup. I think probably the influence of that is because there's been an extra year. So those younger girls that came in after 2017 have had another year to, to get gain experience, to gain that opportunity. It's interesting because there's a few girls, um, I can't remember the number that someone told me, like, four or five girls that are going that aren't actually even contracted players so that it shows how much they've potentially progressed this year the value of the Premier 15s from their point of view someone like Rosie Galligan's a really good example of that like moving squads moving to Quinns and having a really good club season and then kind of putting the hand up for that England squad I think in terms of selection um, I personally would have picked the three experienced players Um, so that being Fleeto, Amber and um no no yeah and mainly like I wouldn't that's not to do a like for like selection of them over someone else so like Amber in for Tatiana or Mo in for Lucy or Leanne or Claudia or whatever yeah um mainly because all three of them add something totally different to that squad they come with a wealth of experience which in a in a tournament as long as that it's not just about the on-field stuff it's the off-field balance as well like how do you manage that amount of time away um you know even a two and a half three week world cup trip was was hard and like you lingered around and you know you know had to utilize the time well and all that type of stuff so yeah and i think it's also all three of them add something different to the team as players on the field I think in particular Fleto you know England kick a lot they can and we talked about that over a number of years in terms of how well they can um take teams apart because they can they can clear their lives they can take pressure off themselves and someone like Fleto is massively underrated in terms of a kick chase which actually is a massive part of England's game um you know, she's not one of those big, massive brute forwards that smashes her way through people, but she makes a tackle. She's one of the fittest players in the squad um, and is one of the quickest as well. Um, and I think then you've got Amber Reed, who can cover a lot of different positions, is a very different type of player, very solid. You know, her pass variation opens up the outside backs like no other, I think, you know. Mm. Um, and then Mo is, you know, 
a totally different line to the three that are there. And I think in, what baffles me actually with her her emission from the squad was a was a quote which I'm going to read. It was on Rugby Pass um, that Mids made, and it he basically said the decision came down. This is talking about Mo's selection um, or not getting selected. The decision came down to the fact we have a very specific way of playing and that we build our game around our 10 and 12. And then he goes on to say, our nines role is very simple. Get to the breakdown, get the ball to the, to the tens hands quickly, go to the next one, do it again and keep repeating. And I, 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 I'm really baffled by it. Like I, one, you kind of playing, showing your hand to everyone else. Okay. But two, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to the other nines to say all they do is pass the ball. Mm. And I just think what she offers in a running game can change the dynamic of a, t- of a match. Yeah. And sometimes you need to have that. And I and it, I don't know, what he's saying about scrum halves, I think is massively limiting. And I think it, it takes away one of the most attacking, biggest attacking weapons of a team. You know, there is a reason why France men are so good. There are a re- reason, there is a reason why the French women have been good. And that is because of Anton Dupont and Laurie Sassé, Sanson, Sansou, Sansa, Sapa. I'll try and get that right in my commentary. When yeah. I, uh, commentate for the, practice um, now, practice France, now. France, 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 Fiji with Claire. Anyway, um, I, um, so yeah, I, I think that comment uh, was, quite bizarre for me um that said you know Sarah Beckett probably uh Bryony Cleo not being picked that's their big statements but I think for those two um what's been hard for them I think how they're playing at the moment has been has been good um that's shown Sarah Beckett played at the weekend it was like yeah. ending people yeah <laughs> Gloucester and Gloucester she's moved to Gloucester and they played Harlequins um yeah she's like ridiculous but um they haven't had a great run in to the World Cup this year because both of them have had quite a lot of injuries yeah. and, and they haven't had that consistent time to earn the spot on in the team or onto the bench. Um, so, yeah, I'm not... How, as I say, um, how difficult is it? And I know that both you and I have spoken to certain players who've been left out of that squad and, and you know, words of comfort that I know that most of them have had have been things like you would walk into many, if not all of the other teams and squads at this World Cup, how much of a comfort is that for a player, do you think? Or actually, does that make it worse? Oh, it makes it worse because <laughs> you're just like, I don't want to play for any other team. I want to play for mine. Yeah. And also, you know, you're seeing players, I think we talked about it last week, you're seeing players that aren't as good as you experiencing what a World Cup has to offer. You know, it's not just about being on the field and getting to play in those stadiums and getting to be part of it. It's all the kit you get. It's all of that. Yeah. It's, the, it's the personal recognition that you can go to your... Um, your friends and family and people and say that you know I've been to a World Cup I think it was Sarah actually who put out a post saying that it's hard to go and speak to your family and friends and everybody that have supported you because they then you think it's not worth all of that time and effort it's worth it when you get to go and I think that that's the hard thing and you've got to kind of reflect and say that's crazy you know like it's crazy to think that that's how I play it. But I've been there. Like I've been in an environment where I have seen players or you don't get picked or you're not a starting player and you think your value drops to your friends yeah. and family. And it's like, so one thing the that... It's a feeling of guilt that players have. Yeah, yeah like you miss so much. Emotion, but yeah. You miss so much and you make... It, it's a selfish life that athletes live. You know, I, you 
eat different things you miss it you miss so much family stuff families you know give up loads of stuff to be able to travel and give up financially to support stuff um in, and you know there's a player's parents that gave up a job to cut like be able to go to New Zealand you know it's like a, it's yeah. a big thing that everybody else does so you have this guilt that I remember in 2017 all of my family were there um Dion had flown out my um my stepsister Kathy had spent had, had come out she hadn't watched me play for years and she flew out was all booked to come over for the final and I had to sit in a stand behind them watching a team that I should have been playing in and the guilt that I felt that they paid all that money to be there and I wasn't playing I, I, it was awful yeah. and that was just for the final and that was only to Ireland you know what I mean so you know it's it's tough but I actually spoke to a psychologist before Rio and you know, I was really struggling I've been open about all of my mental health challenges around that point and around my knee and he said well okay well how are your family going to feel if you win an Olympic medal I said, oh, they're going to be buzzing. Like, they're going to be really happy. And how will they love you? That he said, yeah, yeah, of course. And he said, well, what happens if you don't win that medal? Are your family going to love you? Are they going to, how will they feel? And then I said, well, yeah, of course, they'll be proud. And, you know, and, and it's amazing because that point in reflection, you think all of a sudden you have, I had this realisation that I thought that there was so much on that medal and they, uh, they didn't care. They just wanted me to yeah. have fun and enjoy myself and be proud and yeah, enjoy the party either way, but it didn't change anything deep down, but you, it's not until you have moments where you can reflect and, you know, it, it's now as a retired player, I see the world differently um, and can appreciate what I achieved and when was high and when was low, you know, so Active. it's when you're living it, it's awful. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So turn that on its head and, and the value of experience. There are, what, 19 rookies in this England squad in terms of going to a World Cup who haven't been before. What is being left behind by Simon Middleton is a lot of IQ in that space, players who have been to multiple World Cups. How much value is in that? Is that something that he might live to regret? Um. 
Yeah, I think so, because there are moments in games that you need players to to grab a game by the scruff of the neck. And and it's not to disrespect the girls. I mean, it's, diff- it's difficult because you've got someone like Zary Harrison that's never been to a, t- to a World Cup and she's got nearly 40 caps. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mad the amount of games that England play. And this, as I said, right, like that extra year has is, is consolidated far more confidence. I think where England might, where England struggle is that they don't get into to tussles with teams at the moment. You know, New Zealand travelling um, didn't really, I mean, what did that prove? That New Zealand were rubbish, really? It didn't, well, at that time, it didn't really show anything different about England. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And all it, all it emphasised was England and France are really close because the score lines between the two test ma- two nations playing against Black Ferns are pretty much the same. Um, I think what's interesting, actually, when you look at and reflect back on the you know the test matches against New Zealand before World Cups um, have always been really interesting because they've actually predominantly favoured um, New Zealand with uh, England. So 2006 we toured New Zealand and uh, 2005 toured New Zealand. I talked about it last week. We got absolutely slayed in at Eden Park and we lost the series three nil. Um, 2006 we lost them in the final it was a pretty close game I actually watched highlights of it the other day and like there was bits of the game I didn't even remember unbelievable goal kicking by the way like some of the skill set was class from both teams um not from me obviously but not from me obviously 2010 so um played uh did we play New Zealand I think so um did or did we lose I can't remember 2014 we they girls went over to New Zealand and um, got absolutely hammered over in New Zealand. But then World Cup, we didn't play them, 2014. And then in 2017, we toured just before the World Cup over there and played before the um, Lions. Unbelievable test match. Like one of the most special things I've ever um, experienced. Great party afterwards. Um, And we beat them over there. But they managed to turn around and beat us in the in the final. So it's really interesting when you look at actually who goes in favourite because of who's won before, who's not. Actually, the world New Zealand at a World Cup is a different beast. I think where teams are going to struggle against England is their is the ferocity of their forwards. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you look at the New Zealand girls and the girls that have been to World Cups before and all of the experience. That's all in their backs. Whereas in England, all of the experience is all in the pack. So you look at, actually, by missing Mo and Amber, are they pillars of experience that the, that that unit need? That's not disrespecting the girls that are there because they're wonderful yeah. rugby players. But being there and done it is a very different, I think, does add flavour. And it also, you know, I remember when I first came onto the scene, I was playing with people like Paula George, um, Joe Yap, you know these England England captains who are absolute legends. Shelley Ray, the whole sh- like, and I didn't have to think about what my job today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, I didn't have to think about everything else. I just had to think about my job. Like, and, and I didn't even at times have to think about that. They just gave me the ball and I just did what I needed to do mm. um, in training, in, in analysis, all of those things. So, yeah. Is that a long-winded, I don't know what answer, but... No, it is. I, I do, it's really interesting because I do think there's context to, you know, there will be like-for-like like comparisons as the tournament pushes on if, you know, if and when England face New Zealand about how many rookies there are in each squad. 
um but you picked up on it those rookies you know because of that extra year because of the amount of test matches that England play you know someone like Zoe Harrison has got in the mid 30s caps there are x amount of England players and former players now who have reached the 100 cap mark whereas the Black Ferns have played 105-ish test matches total ever so not all rookies are created equally. And, you know, in terms of the amount of rugby that England players get at, at that test match level, you know, there are a number of Black Ferns there who have got a handful of caps in the same space of time as England players have have added to their vast tallies. So I think that will be quite interesting. Um, not to know... I think what's also... Go on, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, what's also interesting about the selection for the Black Ferns in particular is with new coaches in certain positions they've actually picked not on previous form they've gone on who they want to like fill their um the roles that they see that team performing in and they're unbelievable coaches you know i mean strategists and it's proven like in terms of what they've all achieved Mm. um and someone like amy duplessis who is playing in the center so i think she was picked at 13 to play against the um Japanese and they slaughtered them I it looks like she's played for the Black Ferns for years Mm -hmm. and she's probably got about five cats not even that so I think it's what's really interesting for them is that they and we don't know the full story and there are injuries but they haven't gone with the players with experience but is that because they've got a different style and they've also got fresh eyes to selection they will see the game and and they'll that will be of an advantage because it's the it's a different formula for women's rugby, but at the same time, did, did they are, have are they to go back to the drawing board after the performances last autumn? Is that what it is? Is there, you know, you've lived in New Zealand, you've played rugby over in New Zealand. How much do you think after those performances last autumn by the Black Ferns, there would have been a desperation by the NZIU to think we cannot perform like that when these girls are the hosts of this World Cup? Would there have been a it? Does it feel like a, th- a a last throw of the dice, the way they've picked that squad? No, I think that they've been building over the last how many months. It's just whether they've had enough time. Um, and also, you know, I think, I think the advantage of them having that fresh feel of bringing in coaches that aren't known in the women's game and looking at it differently is they will change how those girls play, train, build. They've got, they've got professional contracts for the first time. They've had test matches. Um, I think the disadvantage of that is they haven't lived a Women's World Cup and, and and actually lived against to play against all the different teams. That said, their coaching IQ, I'm really fascinated to see I, how teams tactically approach when they come up against the big sides. So when they come up against France, England, Canada, America to an extent, Black Ferns. Do you know what I mean? It's like those yeah. kind of top. What we, what you, who you'd probably see coming out of the pools as the top two. Um, tactically, how coaches approach that, and going back to the selection and the comments that um, that Mid has made about the England team, him saying that we play everything off ten and twelve. You, you literally are pigeon like you are. You yeah. are narrowing down what you're saying about that England team. And all you do then is you say, okay, well, we live them up front and set piece, which not many teams can do. But if you can stay in there, we can we can actually stop teams from playing by really attacking that yeah. that ten channel. Because actually, we don't need to really worry about the nines. 
because that's not what they want from them. Now, it might be a big bluff. It might be one of the biggest bluffs you've got because you've got players that can run there, but they also haven't picked the best player at that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a really interesting one um, that might bite him back a little bit at some point. But I think where England are too, too strong is their pack and their kicking game. I think that those are the two things that, and that's not disrespecting the backs because they've got wonderful, they've got players in open play that can create and make anything happen. And that's amazing. But wearing the strength is, in my opinion, is they are a juggernaut at set piece and defensively they're fit, they're strong. They just go and whack people. Um, So yeah. Anyway. Before we move on, one thing I kind of, that, I've kind of ruminated on over the past couple of days perhaps is where I'm I, I bumped into um John Davis on Sunday uh the the Wales and Lions 13 and he said that he'd been on Good the Bad and the Rugby and they they'd had a conversation about the Women's World Cup and and he was up and they, this is a thrilling conversation for me like a current men's top class player stopped me in the street and we're having a conversation about the Women's World Cup like I never thought we'd be in this this moment and that's the moment we're living through. So plaudits to John for that. But we were talking about it and we were talking about how far ahead of the rest of the world England are. And is that something that's reflected in the fact that we are talking about England's squad selection, but it's not something that we necessarily talk about with other teams? And is that a reflection of how far ahead? Obviously, England have greater resource because of the amount of registered rugby players they have compared to a Scotland or a Wales but does that perhaps typify a little bit the kind of team that England are, that they had to get 37 down to 32, whereas for a Wales or a Scotland, it's a case of trying to find a quality 32 as opposed to whistling down to. Is that an example of how far ahead England are, do you think? Yeah, I mean, England have always had better depth because we've got, better club program for people to put their hand up to say like I'm good enough to be in this do you know what I mean like that that prep that you know even before the the Premier 15s was born the Premiership was good I think um what's interesting with that is actually I also think people can talk a lot more about England because they're more publicized there is more coverage of them they because they win they get talked about um but I think more people know about the Red Roses and I I think that's a credit to um actually England Rugby and their social media coverage and what they've done over the last year I think in particular um the way that they've um told the story of players they've really you know you look at the Instagram it's it's awesome it's current it feels different to the men's and it's exciting it showcases the game you know they've got they've allowed inside um you know a documentary to be made that's being launched a two-parter that's going out on ITV before the world cup so do you know what I mean like there's there's more profiling of the girls um so therefore those conversations are easy it's I could talk about other teams and there are players that are missing out from the French team in particular but I don't know the depth of their squad. For, I only know the players that have got the experience because they've played for however many years for the yeah. French side. Um, because I don't, I we don't obviously get access to their yeah. club program. Um, so yeah. 
You mentioned the Premiership, Prem 15s, but looking back to when it was the Premiership, one thing that's been a huge news story this week um, and another former club of yours, um, you are the Andy Good of uh, of women's rugby. Worcester. Worcester Warriors. www.worcesterwarriorswow. It's, you know, huge kind of uh, thoughts and, and support to those players and families and, and everyone who works at that club because what a nightmare this has been it has been confirmed today that administrators have been like assigned I don't know I don't understand how any of that stuff works but uh, perhaps some light at the end of the tunnel for them um, I'd imagine through your work with the WRA you've been kind of doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes perhaps yeah so from a um, like a governance perspective and what all of the what all of that does mean we're really fortunate because Emma um loves reading and is super she's all over all of that um but also ben who works in morgan sports law is our legal team um they've been chipping away working really really hard about what does it mean to a premier 15s contract what's happening we've been communicating with the rfu communicating with joe yap as well as the or um we've been sending some we've got some emails that have gone out like q a kind of stuff um for the players as well i think it's <clears throat> it's something that's really highlighted it's been interesting actually the over the course of the season how we've helped players um through the women's rugby association and this is like obviously a major thing but for the first time ever you know club players have got not just red roses somewhere to turn yeah um and we have had conversations with players like i personally have spoken to players about certain things about what does it mean to them and uh, we haven't had loads of players yet because obviously for players, they need to know that it's there and understand what it's about because it is new to the women's game. So we're trying to communicate that. Um, but yeah, we're all over it from, from an internal perspective, just to make sure that we can help where we can, but also with the conversations and challenge them, um, not just directly with the players, but also what's happening and what's being communicated to them and, and on that next kind of level where as a player, you just don't know, you're just like, yeah. Mm. But like, I think what is positive is that one, Worcester, um, the extra at the weekend, yeah. uh, which was a brilliant performance from them. Um, Deb's Fleming coming back from having a baby 17 weeks ago, madness, madness absolute madness but i, I actually well oh, done no, amazing deb's fleming for yeah. um she's not deb's fleming now though is she she's deb's wills wills yeah. uh fair play 17 weeks postpartum if you are listening to this podcast and you are 17 weeks postpartum and you're just about walking to the end of your street and back that's fine too let's not let <laughs> yeah. become the expectation i saw a lot of men tweeting about it on the weekend and yeah there's absolutely no denying that it's absolutely unreal and fair play to deb's but do not feel at all um, lesser as a mother if you are 17 weeks postpartum or 17 months postpartum and you don't feel comfortable. <laughs> 17 years, eight, possibly. Yeah, possibly. 80 minutes of full contact rugby <laughs> because it's great to see men applauding it, but let's be honest, that's not going to be the uh, the standard that we hold women to after having babies. Yeah, no, she's like fair play to her. Um, it's like awesome. Yeah. Um, but going back to Worcester, um, I think what has been nice is a couple of players I've spoken to recently, they basically said that the camp is a little bit more positive or stronger than and probably some of the conversations that are happening in the media, mainly because, you know, when you're within a team, you know, culturally, you know, how you're dealing with it, um, you know, 
Yappy did an interview recently as DOR and said that that you know she hasn't had any players leave and and she's probably one of the best people in there in terms of like culture leading and making yeah. sure that things are all right. I think what's just really hard is you kind of realise that they're not allowed to play anymore. Like it's mad. Like I, you know, and and probably Worcester, you know, it's really interesting because all of the clubs that I've played for have all got, um, they're all very different, but actually, you know, Bristol or as was Clifton, Worcester and Wasps and Henley Owen. And they, I mean, I played for a few, but that goes <laughs> those three in particular where I spent a good amount of time. They're such a family, like, they, you know, those yeah. players and they're great friends and what it means to the women's rugby community in that club and 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 players that go there often stay there for a long period yeah. of time and you know and, and also it, just, that, that's like, just nice synonymous like six ways has become with women's rugby over the past decade as well like I think of how many games I've covered at six ways because it has tended to be a home for um you know the women's game in terms of finals or or you know I know that they're moving yeah, test matches so around I've, now, but I've done a number of test matches there over the years and stuff. So, you know, that's really sad. That's really hard. Yeah, no, I played um, uh, played club there, but not for Worcester. Like, we weren't at that time allowed to play on the main pitch, which is bonkers. We played yeah. on the outside pitch. It was actually quite a nice pitch, but yeah. um, unfortunately, my ACL on it. But anyway, it was very, very flat. Um, but um, I played test match on it when it was grass, um, and I played a premiership final in it uh when and premiership games obviously when yeah. it became the 4g um so yeah i mean it's just that's where i, I think... was when i found out that nelson mandela had died oh that's sad um things you remember um and i suppose the other thing for me is it's also really important to recognize that you know the men's are massive wages and you know and all the staff and everyone I've got families and those salaries might be the salary of the, you know, yeah. the income of the fam- of the house. You know, a lot of those girls do have um, some financial reward, quite small reward for playing at Worcester, match fee and bits and pieces. But in relative terms, that allows them to pay their bills and that allows them, you know, a lot of those girls, that, that it was, it's minute amount of money compared to the, in comparison to the men's, but it still has exactly the same worth yeah. in terms of, they physically won't be able to do it. So I think what we're pushing really hard for is to make sure that they're not an afterthought and that, and people kind of go, oh, well, it's only a couple hundred quid to that player or it's only this. And it's like, no, 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 you can never say it's only because no. you don't know their circumstances. Um, and so I think from that point of view, I've been really proud of the, the Women's Rugby Association actually for just being there, being a presence. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, what we're, you know, it's absolutely crazy and knew what we're doing but it's just somewhere to, for people to turn to um, yeah. and I think that's really important to have that kind of confidential advice or, or, or place to turn um, because realistically there are players that are going to want yes we're all eyes on the World Cup but the next World Cup's not that far and also the tendering process for next year and there yeah. are students there and do I finish my degree? Do I need to look at going to a different uni? Do, you know, it's like where those decisions for next year, those conversations will be happening when it comes to post-World Cup anyway. So, you know, it's it, there's a lot to think about for women's rugby players now, which is brilliant. But that just means that they need to make sure that they're in a position to have all of the knowledge that they need to make the decisions as best as possible. And obviously, you know, they've got the WRA to turn to, but the other thing as well is if you are a player there if you're a player in any club who's going through anything like this and 
it's not just the kind of anxiety of work and playing, but mental health things. There are so many places you can turn. Now, our DMs are always open, but Loose Heads are always there as an amazing resource if somebody, if you need someone to talk to, but talk to your friends as well. And um, I think that's one thing to kind of recognise through this, that this is a tough and troubling time for lots of people. And just um, just quickly, um, just talking about something else to recognise. Um, I was pretty impressed last night. Um, actually, at the, the mate, I I obviously big you up. You know, I you're very good at what you do when it comes to um, producing, presenting, what like of podcast editing that I help a little bit with. But um, and you are now you've now become um a social media influencer as well mm. because i flick past rugby pass and there's two tweets that they talk about they that are on a little reel um emphasizing the you know when when someone passes away or something happens they put influences and in their comments from twitter and they screenshot it and they're used and and you were one of those weren't you i don't and know I was why. Even like, more think, it's so weird and it's Why even more it's even better because I said, Oh, they've got um two Welsh people that they've commented. And then what's even better is your tr- massive try-hard response um about why they would have two Welsh people to <laughs> No, it wasn't. I just felt like you were diminishing the fact that Welsh people cared. And I felt the need to point out that in fact, a, you know, a huge chunk of players who were in Wales's World Cup squad um our Worcester players and also it's a very natural um home for Welsh people because it's very close just over the border by the Malvins um and you know there's always been a strong link between Wales and Worcester so yeah I can't help well I'm, focus I'm really Welsh rugby. I'm really pleased that you and Paul Williams both were recognised by Rugby Pass as two huge influences um, in that Worcester space. And they felt the need to post your tweet about um, the condolences. <laughs> so peculiar. So peculiar. Um, from very, very sad news about Worcester to very happy news, which I'd quite like us to finish the pod on. Uh, we have been incredibly vocal over the past couple of years in terms of our support of a certain young lady who was uh, my junior at Sky Sports when I was there. Um, if you are a an avid viewer of uh, the Premier 15s, you will know her well. It was announced last week that Claire Thomas is one of the commentary team for ITV for the World Cup. And... I know both of us share sentiments, but I really want to just verbalise and I do this to her on a daily basis, but I'd like to do it very publicly as well. I am so proud of Claire Thomas um, and the fact that she's got that role and she could not be more deserving of it. She's just an exceptional human being and one of the most intelligent young women I know. And if you haven't read the article that she's written for Rugby Pass this week about Scotland, it's just so bloody great as well. So Claire, we love you and we're very proud of you. Um, yeah, I get to work with her. Did a Prem 15s game with her. I think it's her second commentary. I think she'll she'll be great. And it's just, you know, I think it's just really important that you know we get we're used to a, a female voice on lead comms with the BBC coverage with Sarah Orchard. So I think it's it's really important that ITV have managed to be able to find that voice. Um, so um, kind of like the uh, podcast find uh, the uh, documentary finding your voice. <laughs> Very much finding her that. voice don't even know and, the title of it <laughs> and to be fair you know um, I yeah, no, it's, there. Um, it's great that she's got a few games on this world cup 
And I think she'll have a few games in, you know, the next World Women's World Cup. She'll be doing the final and, and perhaps in 2027, she'll be doing the final of the men's as well. So uh, <laughs> I'm immensely proud of her. And I think she's got a long and illustrious future ahead of her. Um, I concur. I just quickly about um, just some things I've seen recently. Um, good to see Rugby World has done a front cover with lots of players um, that are going to be at the World Cup on it. Um, in fact I couldn't name all of them I couldn't name all of them which is bad so I'm going to need to do my homework um, on a couple of them but um, just like that just and and interestingly I was talking to my stepdad last night um, and he is a big kind of he's not a massive sports nerd he he enjoys reading the papers he will watch it um, because my mum loves it Um, (laughs) but he loves gardening and also is a um, bird watcher and there's actually there were twitchers um, by the beach yesterday and he went up to speak to them with his own French anyway um, that aside he actually said to me oh um, there seems to be a really big buzz about the World Cup there's loads of stuff I've noticed in the newspapers um, and articles and stuff which is really interesting because I think just different you get when you speak to different people from different generations or different backgrounds, and obviously he's going to tri- he's going to it's going to trigger to him, oh, there's women's rugby stuff, and yeah. he would have seen it grow. You know, he's been married to to mum, I think nearly twenty years. So do you know what I mean? So yeah. he's been around it my whole career, but it's just really interesting because he brought it up, um, and he was asking me, what do I think? Who's going to win? Who's going to get to the final? Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Obviously. He's never had that conversation with me because I've been at the World Cup and he normally has it with mum. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to find the Rugby World cover just to see if I can name all the players. And I can. Oh, actually, no, I can't. I couldn't tell you the Japanese player's name. Oh, I struggled with the French player. I couldn't It's Foul. It. It's the prop, Foul, who scored against Italy in the opening game last year. Um... Ruby Tui, Shannon Parry. Um, but you're ruining it for everyone else. Stop, the England player... Friend something scat ska scarrot i think her name is scanter <laughs> uh the canadian is sophie degudi uh hannah right, this is boring podcast jade Cal, and then the italian and we'll see them next week is rigoni see you next week tryhards When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.